This is the Mess It Up Podcast, where we take your mess and turn it into a message. And now, here's the Bowtie Guy. Hey, yippity skippity, we're back with another show on the Mess It Up Podcast. I'm here with Kevin again. How y'all doing? And he says, how y'all doing? Well, he's wearing a cowboy hat today. Kevin's gone country on us uh, today, which will fit in with the uh, song of the week when we get there. Uh, so, uh, yeehaw and all that good stuff, I guess. Um, <laughs> if you're listening for the first time, welcome. If you're a long-time listener, you know most of the stuff I'm about to say. Uh, we, we have all the social stuff that you want to have, so go find us on the socials and be social with us. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, you can go to MessItUpPodcast.com. Click on that fancy little button down there uh, on the left-hand side that says Become a Sponsor. Or no, Become a Patron. And uh, you can sponsor the show financially for as little as $1 a month. You can do that. And honestly, like Faith said the other day, you know, that's, that's way less than I spend at Starbucks. I spend about uh, uh, $2 a day at Starbucks um, almost every day of the week. So um, it's not a whole lot. So we'd love to have you jump on and be a patron. We've got little gifts for you depending on the level that you jump in. If you jump in at the $25 level, you can be part of our book club where we read books and send comments and uh, have a discussion about it. So that's always fun. But uh, whatever is comfortable for you, go ahead and uh, check that out. And it is tax deductible. So um, you get to, uh, to write that off as a charitable donation. So we really appreciate all you do to help the ministry keep going. And thank you for that. Also, make sure that you uh, tell people when you're on social media, tell them about the show. Uh, get them to listen. Um, we're having some some good numbers lately, and uh, the, the next goal I'm going for is is to hit four digits. So uh, the only way I can do that is if you guys get the show out there. So tell people um, what it is. If everybody who listened to the show last week gets one more person this week to listen, and they listen, we'll hit that uh, that thousand uh, download mark for the week. So that would be uh, really fun. So um, let's go for the 1K challenge here and uh, get some people listening. Be looking forward to seeing uh, how you uh, want to post that show uh, on your social media this week. Uh, let's see. What do we got? I, I have the wrong. I'm looking at the, the the wave file go by and it's just drawing lines and I'm not looking at my notes for what I need to do next on the show. So I got a little bit lost. And what we've got going next is our, um, our word of the week. The big wow. The big word of the week is a, uh, a thing that I like to do. I was listening to a podcast uh, about my soccer team, Arsenal, and they were talking about how bad we were, and the word putrescent came out. And putrescent is, uh, is something that's undergoing a lot of decay or rot. And uh, my soccer team in England has been undergoing some decay and some rot, and hopefully our lives are not becoming putrescent. But I thought, wow, that, my friends, is a great word. So I just tucked it in there uh, for the uh, word of the week. So there you go. If you can use putrescent this week, uh, give yourself 10 bonus points uh, because that's one for every letter in the word putrescent. That's all I got. <laughs> Kevin's just looking at me and nodding like, yep, okay. Yeah, I'm leaving you speechless, am I? No, sir, not generally. Well, that's good. All right. I just took a sip. Yep, Kevin was trying to cover for me. That was good. That's good uh, Good talk show etiquette there, Kev. Um, so we were bouncing some ideas around and whatnot, and as we were talking, um, 
Kevin threw out this thought that um, he had heard, and I, I remember hearing it before also, and it, for some reason, it, I, I just don't think we've ever talked about this on the show. So we're going to talk about the idea that the opposite of addiction is connection, and that that idea of being connected. So first of all, um, let's jump in with addiction. Um, addiction, I think, is something that a lot of people have a knee-jerk reaction to, and an idea of what addiction looks like. What is your immediate image of addiction? What's the picture that goes with addiction for you? <laughs> well, I can speak to my own life with alcohol and drugs and nicotine. Like I struggle with that for most of my life now. Um, but the blunt truth is it's... We don't say blunt when we're talking about addiction. Oh, fair. fair. <laughs> <laughs> the uncomfortable truth. There you go. I like that. Right, is that it? it addiction is anything that you have an unhealthy obsession over. It could be food. It could be a TV show. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm looking. I, I decided just to have fun. Sometimes I like to do the fun uh, Google thing, and I typed in the word addiction and on Google, and I just hit images. And so the first thing, it's got like a, a, a silhouette of a person's head with the word addiction and it's got all these words in it. Uh, then there's another one that has like a person, you know, drawing of a person in a, a pill bottle and uh, a bong and some pills lying around. And then the next one is a picture with a needle and some pills and a bottle. And uh, we got another one with a needle and some pills and bottles and, and smoking and pills and uh, a lot of confusion stuff going on. Um, and there, there's one here that's the guy just holding up a cardboard sign that says help. Uh, another one person's handcuffed to a bottle of pills. But I think that's what that that's what I wind up with and oh here's an interesting one so as I go down let's see we got one two three four five six seven eight on the ninth row there's um, a person holding some Scrabble letters and it says hope which I like that I like yeah. that a lot um, but you know I, I think that the the thing that people see Commonly, the image that goes along with it is that image of, of hopelessness and chemicals. That addiction uh, tends to be rooted in our culture, in our minds, in the idea of drugs, alcohol, tobacco, um, those type of of activities, which are certainly addiction. But like you said, it's it's that that thing that we become obsessed with. Uh, I knew when I was a child, I knew I had an obsessive personality on things. And I, it, it kept me from drinking when I was in high school. Uh, there were a few things. One was my grandfather had passed away um, as an alcoholic when he was 40. He, he died of cirrhosis. And I thought, I don't want that. And uh, I spent all my money on music because I was addicted to music. But I was also concerned that if I started drinking I wouldn't stop uh, it would just overwhelm me because I could see even as a teenager I could see in my life when I decided I liked something I was all in on that something very true I very much the same 
here. Uh, uh, you know, being ADHD, I tend to hyper focus on a lot of things, and it can look like an addiction to whatever it is I'm stuck on at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and yeah, why you didn't drink is exactly why I became an alcoholic. I can't have just one. I can't have leftover. It's all. If it's in, if it was in the house, I drank it all. Mm. Um, I've never understood people who had, you know, the whole liquor cabinet wet bar thing, and there was always alcohol there. I didn't understand that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm looking here. You know, as we're talking definitions, this is the American Society of Addiction Medicine. Um, not really sure who they are, so I can't vouch for their validity. But it says addiction is a treatable chronic medical disease involving complex interactions among brain circuits, genetics, and environment. People with addiction use substances or engage in behaviors that become compulsive and often continue despite harmful consequences. And I think that's the important thing to remember with addiction is it it includes a lot of things, but that doesn't mean it stops at those inclusions. It one of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery is it's not just alcohol. It's not just uh, narcotics. It's not just tobacco. It's it's everything. It's those hurts, those hangups, and those habits that, like this says, they can continue despite harmful consequences. And I think some of the... Uh, I, I, I want to be careful with my words. Um painting with a broad brush and speaking in terms of maybe um, society's view on things, the lesser addictions, the more benign addictions, I think they can be so insidious because it doesn't seem like as big of a deal. Like it's obvious to see a person who is addicted to methamphetamine and they're losing teeth and their body is shriveling up or the you know, whatever drug that's eating the person alive or the alcohol that killed my grandpa at 40. That's, that's easy to, to look and say, okay, cause and effect. A little bit more difficult when we have things like gambling. Gambling's legal. You can do it. Uh, but it costs people a lot, not just monetarily, but, you know, in their lives and, and, and in their soul. And, Food addictions. I mean, heaven help the person who's got the food addiction because if you're an alcoholic, okay, you're not drinking, you're sober, you're clean. I double dog dare you to stop eating. You know, it's not going to work for very long. You have to eat. And so you've got to try to maintain that. And it can be easy for me to look at some of these addictions that are uh, the obvious go-tos and say, all right, well, that's, that's easy to wrap my head around. But the more esoteric ones... Um, you know, the one that's, you know, huge in cell recovery, you know, codependency, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to put in a nice little package and understand what it is and what to do about it. Well, I remember when I first started going to celebrate recovery, uh, however long ago that was now, uh, a little over a year, uh, I was kind of taken aback by what I heard people saying they're struggling with. 
and codependency was one of the first ones and I had to even look it up to figure out what Mm -hmm. y'all were talking about because I had no clue and you know as I've gone through it gone through the 12 steps I definitely see a lot of that in me and I just I really loved it because I heard so many things other than just chemical dependencies that and it just made me really appreciate the group that much more yeah and it can be you know I've heard people in the past I I had a friend and they you know because a lot of times in celebrate recovery as leaders we're trying to get people to come to the group and people say well I don't drink and I don't you know do drugs so I don't need your group and we're like well it's it's more than just that and so we spend a lot of time trying to teach that aspect of it and I had a friend who was in celebrate recovery for drugs and for alcohol and they're like yeah but what about me you know it's like you're you're pushing me to the curb saying my issues don't matter anymore it's like it's not what I'm trying to say I'm just trying to get people to see a a bigger picture but it, it can be difficult to have you know the normies and the druggies you know try to coexist and I know in more you know fill in the blank a groups because they are issue specific sometimes that does get you know your other issues do get pushed to the side or downplayed or whatever because it's like well we're here for alcohol we're not here for something else we're here for this and I think that's one thing I love about Celebrate Recovery is everything's identified. We identify ourselves as believers, as followers of Christ, who struggle with many different things. Mm-hmm. So we're believers in Christ who have struggles. And when you take it down, struggles is pretty nonspecific. And we all have them, and they all affect us roughly the same way it doesn't matter what your you know whether it's codependency food addiction alcohol it all has a negative effect on on your person and what I've told a few people trying to get them to come to a 12 step is I'm like you know at the bottom line this is going to create a more healthy deeper relationship with Christ Mm -hmm. I grew up in church have a not to sound egotistical, but an incredible amount of head knowledge about the Bible. But once I went through the 12 steps and forced myself to dig deeper, that head knowledge started going down the throat to the heart Mm. and became a very different scenario. And what I found, yeah, I addressed the issue I went through 12 steps with, but I think the end result is more the relationship I had with God and the changes that has created in my life have a much bigger impact than just simply being able to work on the uh, issue I had. Mm -hmm. And the connections, coming back to our topic, the connections that I developed have made a huge difference in my life. Yeah, it's it's the the thing that I've noticed about addiction as I've looked at it, and I've, you know, been looking at addiction and recovery for 18, 19 years now, uh, coming up on 20 here. And it's, um, it's evident to me in my experience, at least that 
addiction is a very isolating activity that even though I might do some things with my addicted friends, it is a a thing that is creating a wall around me to protect me from something. Um, I'm putting up a barrier to get away and escape from some feeling or input that's coming into my life that drives me away from other people. And, you know, my issue that brought me into recovery was pornography. And that is a, a much more, it's not a social thing. It's not like, let's go to the porn bar and watch porn with everybody. It's, it's like isolate <laughs> and get away and, and having to hide it from my family and, and my wife. And I am very much a people person. I, I crave um, community and connection. And so this, it, this addiction had such a grip on me. It, it, I was willing to sacrifice being with other people to feed this beast in my life, which just is ridiculous. You know, to, when I think about just the, the the actual concept of like, would you rather be by yourself or with people? My answer is virtually always, I would rather be with people. And I, I this rose above that need um, in my life. And, and so when I look at that definition of, you know, even when it causes harm, um, you know, I was that, that, that functional addict. I was doing life. I was working. I was serving in the church. I was coaching. I was doing all these things and nobody knew. And when they found out, a lot of people believed my lie. It's not happening. I've been, you know, tricked. Uh, and, and people were like, yeah, because I, I put on this image and made people think there's just no way that this could be. Uh, so I was, I was driving my addiction bus into isolation and away from connection with any other other uh, people and and it brings me to our, our song of the week uh, which is a song that was requested by listener Bev in California it's um, Chris Tomlin and he did this with um, the the most recent album that he has done is an album with um, it's called Chris Tomlin and friends and he did it with a lot of country artists and country leaning artists but this is a song with Thomas Rhett and Florida Georgia Line. It's called Thank You, Lord. So we're going to play about 90 seconds of that for you. And uh, we'll be back on the other side to tell you our thoughts and to talk more about the connection part uh, of, of recovery. So here's Chris Tomlin and friends with Thank You, Lord. Thank you, Lord. times for lighting the way in the dark times for pulling me in forgiving again the times that i took it too far i gotta thank you for keeping me humble for picking me up when i stumble and although i change you stay the same and i don't say thank you enough for my mama for my friends for your love that never ends for the songs that make us dance on this old dirt floor for my babies for my Thank you, Lord. I just want to say thank you, 
just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise up, eyes closed. One thing I know. I just want to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Boom, stop tapping your feet. Start uh, listening to what we got to say again. What do you think, uh, Kevin? Well, that was the first time I'd heard that song, and I actually kind of like it. Um, in that second verse, it was talking about, thank you, Lord, for the hard times, for lighting the way in the dark times, for pulling me in, for giving again the times that I took it too far. I feel like that's a pretty good summation of my life. <laughs> um, I always took it too far. And I, you know, I firmly believe that some of my hard times were God's way of hitting me over the head with a two by four to try to guide me back into where I need to be. Yeah. Listen, son. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it just really love that. And I, I love that the, for picking me up when I stumble and although I change, you stay the same. And that's just, for me, it's a constant reminder that, yeah, I'm on a screw up. Yeah, I'm going to fall and hit my face. But he's always, always will be and always has been there with his hand out to pick me up. Yeah. Yeah, and the follow-up line was the one that I highlighted. And I don't say thank you enough. That, you know, he gives and gives and gives and gives. And he's not like, oh, I'm tired of giving. It's like i got to remember to say thank you and make it a part of of my life to be thankful, to have an, uh, uh, I hate the corny, you know, attitude of gratitude, but I've got to have, I, I've got to make that part of my paradigm. It's like, where can I look to be thankful? Uh, I'm always looking at something and my mom, my mom's one of these people who watches the news all the time. And I say, Mom, you need to get your head out of the TV and stop watching the news. because. And listen, I'm not talking about any specific news broadcast. I'm talking about all news broadcasts, whether it yes. is mainstream or non-mainstream, or if it is named after an animal, or if it's a chain of letters. I am talking about all news. Just do yourself a favor and stop. See if you can make it for a month without watching your news stuff and see if life changes. Because first of all, they're telling you stuff that's already happened, so you can't change it. They're trying to get you scared, so you just walk around afraid. And they're just trying to sell commercials, so they have to talk about the same old nonsense or find something to make it more interesting. And hype makes things interesting. So just get rid of that stuff. And see if your attitude changes. Um, and, and, you know, my mom will say, well, you can't, it's, it's the truth and you, you can't just ignore it. And I was like, it's not that I'm ignoring these things, mom. I've got a certain amount of time allocated in each day and it's 24-ish hours. You know, if you want to get all scientific, there's, you know, some extra seconds and fractions. But let's give or take 24 hours in a day. And I can't spend, I can't do everything I want to do. So I need to do the things that are most beneficial to me. And being thankful to God is a beneficial thing. Looking to see who done me wrong, that just 
spins me up and gets me going the wrong ways. And for me, I've got to be intentional about it. Yeah. Um, I've got a thing on the wall is our, our, our thing that we did at, at uh, Summit down at the end there. It's got mm-hmm. the, our, our things that we put on the wall. And I made a commitment at Summit that we, or I would pray over those things every day. And so far, I haven't missed a day because I've been intentional about it. And when I'm intentional about it, these are, are things that people put up that they were giving to Christ. So maybe hurts or stumbling blocks or you know barriers to their, whatever it is. I don't know. And I haven't looked. And I could. I mean, it's just me here in the house with Bev. It's easy for me to take those papers and unfold the little sticky and see it. But I, I've intentionally not. And I'm just praying over what they might be. And so what that makes me do is search my mind and my heart for something to be thankful about in that. Not knowing what it is, but knowing that it's probably something that's a difficulty for a person. How can I pray for release, relief, and thankfulness? And and that's the attitude I need to have, is just more of that. And if I have more of it, I still don't have enough. You know, there's an infinite amount of thanks that I need to give to God. So if I feel like I've given 23 hours worth, well, there's still another hour that could be given. You know, it's yeah. it's a, a never anything. And it's not a burden. I mean, being thankful should not be a burden to me. And if it is, I might be doing it wrong. I might not understand what thankful really looks like. Fair. Yeah. Yes. I know going through the 12 steps, when we got to the point where we kind of, you do your first gratitude list, mm. that was probably one of the hardest parts for me to fill that list up without it because I I I made it a point to always do everything to the fullest I could mm-hmm. in the 12 steps big kettle Kevin yeah and I I really struggled with that one because everything it just and I think it was probably all in my own head because everything just felt so cheesy mm. like it, it was something I really struggled with like to get my my mind into the proper mindset to be able to do that in in a good manner say help me understand what you're meaning by cheesy because my i have a couple of different ideas and i don't (laughs) want to say is it this or this because i don't want to put anything because it might be something so say more to me about why it felt cheesy or what what that cheesy felt like it was a combination of just feeling like my answers were generic like oh this could be on anyone's list and um and also like it just it didn't feel genuine mm-hmm. at a time like uh, at certain points when I was trying to do it it was all just it didn't feel genuine I think and it kind of you know and a little bit kind of hokey for me mm-hmm. just it didn't feel right didn't feel like it was coming from me didn't feel like it was doing what I really needed to do and it took a, a while for me to be able to actually put anything on those lists that I felt belonged there was it do you think more a case of you not being able to define isolate and identify the areas of thankfulness or was it an absence of thankfulness and so you were having to learn how to be thankful 
Um, I'm going to go with option C. Okay. <laughs> it was, I think, just purely me overthinking it and not letting a natural answer off the top of my head be the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, what are you thankful for in your church? Well, I'm thankful for my pastor. I really like my pastor. Well, that's hokey. Everyone's going to be thankful for their pastor. So let's try to come up with something a little bit better for this. Come on, Kevin. You've been in enough no. churches to know everyone's not <laughs> thankful for their pastor. No, but <laughs> I, you're right. But, I mean, you see my line of thought. Yeah. And it, so I was overthinking everything. And, and actually, I think at the end of the day, talking myself out of very appropriate answers, things that I actually was thankful for. But... Because, oh, well, someone else might be thankful for it that I can't be. I, right, you know, right, okay. It, yeah. It's, yeah, it, sharesies are allowed. And and for me, what I try to get into is, um, and, and when I was teaching, you know, my, my former students can hopefully validate this or verify it. I was always more interested in the why than the what. Um, okay, this is what's bothering you. Why is it bothering you? This is what happened, but why did it happen? And okay, this is what you're thankful for. Why are you thankful for that? What about it? You know, explore that that space. You know, what about that pastor are you thankful for or do you have gratitude for? And to me that that, you know, takes the steak out of the wrapper and, and starts to apply some smoke and some seasoning and some heat and and the why is all those things. The steak is great. But without the reasons, it's not as complete to me. Yeah. And I, as you're saying that, I think it, it kind of went back to knowing when I write my answers, I was going to have to read them out loud. Mm. And there might be certain people that liked to make me dig deeper when I <laughs> answered my questions. And, and I think that might have played a part in it because I'm like, I kind of had that feeling. If I was asked why, I don't know if I could have answered. Mm. And, and and that kind of goes back to the just not really having any faith in my own answers to feeling cheesy about them. Yeah. And so so then is it fair to uh, conclude from that that if you were doing it on your own, by yourself, without community and connection, that it would have been a lot less thorough a lot more surface oh absolutely i i would not have been able to have been as successful through this 12 steps if it wasn't for you um you wound up being my sponsor at the end of this and you're constantly making me dig deeper i took it as a challenge knowing when I'm answering my questions that you were going to make me dig deeper. If you didn't like something about that answer, you had no qualms about asking about it. And so when I answered my questions, I tried to answer it. And then when I finished answering it, I'd put myself in your shoes and say, well, what else? Hmm. Why? Or, you know, look at it again, try to think a little deeper and then be able to answer it more thoroughly. Uh, Partly because I didn't want you to, I didn't want to give you a reason to ask why. Yeah. Or what else? I wanted the answer to be complete. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm going to say that wasn't, I mean, it was me, but it was more the role of me than the person of me. Um, that, that that's what the sponsor, that's the role, the job of the sponsor, of the person facilitating is, is to, to do that and to provide that connection, to provide that yeah. community. 
because it could have been another guy doing because mm-hmm. there was somebody who did that for me and mm-hmm. you're going to be that guy you know for somebody I will help that person uh, <laughs> you know but that's what it was for me and if I'd have had to do it on my own I would not have done it that thoroughly I would not have gotten what I got out of it without having that push yeah and at the end of the day I put more effort into that than I think I've ever really put into anything for myself right and I know my sponsor did that for me because when I was going through and answering these questions for the first time I didn't want him to be like dude you are wasting my time and walk away Uh, I knew he wanted me to be thorough and he wanted me to be he wasn't there to try to cultivate my garden Mm-hmm. He was there to drive by and say, hey, that's a nice looking garden. You've done a lot of good work on this garden. He, it was not his, my recovery was not his recovery. He was there to keep me within the boundaries and the guardrails, but he wasn't going to spend a lot of time babying me and, and working me through, you know, and pat me on the back and saying, okay, it'll be all right. He was just like, nice try. Come back and see me when you're, when you're finished. And that's what I needed. I needed that you know, good, strong, firm kick in the butt to make me do the work. Because if I'm not doing the work, someone else is not going to be able to do it for me. Yeah. Uh, it's, which is why I love, you know, my favorite two words in recovery are say more. Uh, just, you know, tell me more about what you just said. Dig a little bit deeper so that I don't have to. I want to, I want to get the fruit out of your garden, but I don't want to water it and get in the manure and, whatnot I just I want to eat that carrot yeah exactly so if we need community if we need connection if connection is indeed the opposite of addiction how do we get it how, how do you get it what's I have a couple of people that you know through the church I started developing when I started going to RCI I started developing a whole new circle of people and for me, when I finally got down to it and realized I needed help, I knew who to call. Like, just Ghostbusters. Because, oh, actually, I always call Ghostbusters. <laughs> uh, no, it, I just, I knew who to call because I had paid attention to those around me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I still, at this point, uh, when I've got something going on in my life that I need to talk about, I have someone I'm going to call for various different things because not everyone's going to handle it the same way. Sometimes I'm going to call this person over here because they're more, you know, I just want to be mad for a minute and they're going to get mad with me Mm -hmm. and we're going to be mad together and get through this emotion and move on. There's other people I'm going to call that are way more peaceful and they're going to calm me down and help me work through it in a little bit more rational way. Um, and there's other people I'm going to call because I know that they're going to enjoy the praise. Yeah. Um, so it's just, I don't know if you don't know who to call, pay, I guess just pay a little more attention to those around you. Yeah. Because there's someone there that can help. And, you know, to me, it's like cooking, you know, when you're talking about that, sometimes, you know, food needs a certain spice, but other food won't need it. You know, for Mm -hmm. me, if I'm having grits and eggs, my grits are gonna have butter. It's gonna be fake butter because I can't do the dairy. But so I got butter, I got salt, I got pepper. 
That's grits for me. My wife, she wants some brown sugar. She wants her grits sweet. And that's her her thing. It's not my thing. Uh, but I don't want that sugar in my grits. It's the wrong thing for it. Now, if I'm having oatmeal, I want some brown sugar in it. I'm not putting a bunch of salt and pepper in my oatmeal. Um, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with the salt. There's nothing wrong with the brown sugar in and of itself. It's how does it blend? And when I started cooking, I put some horrible things together. because so I was just trying it out. But I eventually started to learn, oh, this works with this and this works with this. And because that worked, maybe I can try it here. And when I first start using my phone list, I might call a person and be like, well, that was not the right person to call. That blew up my face. Okay, make a note. Don't do that. But I might call him for something else. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to a guy in church today and um, he, I, I, I don't mind having a conversation with him in church. But it's never a guy that I'm going to call and say, hey, come over and let's watch the game. Because I've done that before. And all they wanted to do was just argue and talk about stuff and not let me watch the game. And so I know, okay, this guy's great to have a cup of coffee with if I want to go and have a discussion. But if I want to sit and focus on a game, this is the wrong cat to do it with. So yeah. just not going to you know, cross those things. And by doing it and trying it, I can start to learn those things. But if I don't ever reach out, I might not ever know this is the person to call or, or not to call. And, and, and so, I mean, I, step one is getting the numbers or making the connections and using them. You know, I guess step two is using them. Step three, four, then you're starting to refine it and, and get a little yeah. better. But you can't, can't walk unless you take a step. That's the truth. Yeah. So um, how have you been making those connections? Uh, what do you do? I mean, do you just wait to, um, do you wait for a crisis or do you, are those connections established in advance? Where I'm at now, all of them are established in advance. And I do personally try to make an effort to maintain a relationship outside of crisis. Because mm -hmm. uh, I know personally there's nothing worse than that person that only calls you when they need something. Yeah. And and I hate that. And I don't want to be that guy. Right. And so those people, my confidants, my accountability partners, even my sponsor, I try to maintain a relationship that is all-encompassing, not just uh, that singular thing. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't only talk to my accountability partner because I need to be held accountable. Otherwise, I might not talk to him. Right, um, <laughs> you know, and I don't only talk to my sponsor when I'm struggling. I, I try to, you know, I want to make sure it's coffee, it's uh, having good Bible studies. I, I I do things with people all around, and I try to maintain and build a relationship as a friendship, not just on the singular. Right. If you're telegraphing that negative, it might be difficult to maintain a relationship with that person because they might just be like, oh. I mean, I think everybody out there right now has a phone number that could pop up on your screen and you're like, and you put the phone down, like not answering that right now. <laughs> and, and I, like you say, I don't want to be that guy. I found out I am that guy. I called a friend yesterday accidentally, but dialed a friend and they called me back and they're like, okay, what, 
and I was like, oh, it was a butt dial. I was like, oh, thank goodness. I thought it was something horrible had happened. And it's like, okay, apparently I'm not calling this person enough. I only call them to let them know when bad things have happened. And I was like, all right, I got to work on that. Make a note to myself and, and, you know, find this person and just say hi every once in a while um, so that we can continue that because, you know, that's what community is, is it's being, yeah. being together. So my family knows, like, that's my, I don't leave voicemails at all, ever, unless it's really bad. Mm. And so I've got that relationship with a couple of my family members that <laughs> if I leave a voicemail, they start freaking out because it's probably really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, this worked out well. This was a, a, a good conversation. I think that the, the important thing to do is keep in mind that if you don't have community, you might be setting yourself up for failure. So a great way to have community is to follow us on all of our social stuff. So go find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. Uh, like us, follow us, friend us, whatever that particular uh, platform does. And then interact with us. Don't make it a crisis situation. Don't make it a one-way street. Say hi to me. Uh, every Tuesday I go out on all of our social and I, I look to see who has interacted. And every Tuesday it's like, huh. I got some spam. <laughs> Share your favorite dad jokes with us. There you go. We love dad jokes. Dad jokes, good. Yes. Share your favorite dad jokes with us. Give Paul a reason to look forward to. Yeah, I actually, that's one of the, the subreddit threads that I follow is uh, dad jokes uh, on, on Reddit. Uh, so, yeah, share those jokes. Share your funny stuff. And uh, just, you know, let's be community. Let's do it together. Absolutely. And, and, uh, see where it takes us. And if it doesn't work out, okay, great. But you know, give it a month and see what happens. Same thing, you can give it a couple months uh, as a patron on our Patreon account. Uh, start at a dollar and see if you want to go up. I had one lady who started at $25 and she added a second $25 because she's like, you know what? You're better than my morning coffee. And I was like, well, gosh, thank you. So um, that's that's pretty high praise right there so. I was stunned myself you know I, I still enjoy my, my morning coffee uh, but uh, we thank you so much for being here uh, Kevin thanks for taking time out to uh, to do it and for bringing a topic don't forget to use that uh, word of the week putrescent uh, in your uh, words uh, or your speaking I guess this week and we will see you next time we mess it up outstanding <laughs>